Welcome to the Hot Spotting Real Estate Podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast that talks about all things real estate with a splash of real-life topics. So tune in and let's keep it real. All right. Welcome to the Hot Spotting Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mike Tohikian, and today I have another great guest, Shauna Mattis. How are you, Shauna? Hello, Mike. Happy to be here. All right. And a little bit of info on Shauna. She is born in Glendale, California, and raised in Paradise, California, and she currently resides in Manhattan Beach, California, with her husband, Mark, of 27 years, and she has three children, Samantha, age 24, Colin, age 21, and Billy, age 18. Uh, She is a Cal State Northridge alumni like me, and she has a BA degree in speech communications and business administration. And she's the executive vice president and Southern California agency business lead at JLL. Welcome, Shauna. Welcome. Happy to be here. How are you doing? Everything good? Everything's great. Well, good. Can you give us some background? And I'm very interested to hear on how you got into commercial real estate and then uh, what your current role is at JLL. Hmm. So it was not a straight path for me to get into commercial real estate. Um, I... One of my very first jobs, and it was while I was in college, was at a commercial real estate office. And I was in the admin role um, and they needed me to get my real estate license so that I could quote rents while they were out. (laughs) Um, So I got my license through them. And then um, one of the agents in the office is actually my husband now of 27 years. So. I like to say I got into commercial real estate because I met a guy. uh, (laughs) That's a good story. (laughs) But it didn't, I mean, it it wasn't that straightforward. Um, I switched jobs. I got in with a retail development company, the Riley Perlman Company, if anyone on this podcast is old enough to remember them. (laughs) Um, And they uh, brought me into brokerage. And I started working with them from an owner perspective. So they, they developed and owned retail shopping centers throughout the state of California. So I cut my teeth in central California oh. and, you know, projects, various projects down here in Southern California. Um, one of my first projects, this is really interesting for someone who's just starting in their business, was Valencia Marketplace, the 750,000 square foot power center. Wow. So I was part of that when it was still Orange Groves. And I got to sit in on all the construction meetings and I... I got like a MBA, so to speak, on retail development through that project and how to pre-lease and stuff like that. So that's a big project. Yeah. From there, um, you know, Riley Perlman, they suffered from the uh, uh, savings and loan recession. And so uh, we broke off into our own company, got aligned with Chris Wilson at uh, Wilson Retail Group Mm -hmm. and joined up with them officially in 2007. So I was part of their team when JLL acquired us in 2015. And now, you know, we've been with JLL since 2015. And uh, I've been able to continue my growth on a much, having the benefit of a bigger platform has really been something that surprised me on the benefits of it because I had always historically been in more of a small boutique environment, um, very nimble, very quick, right. um, and but also scrappy, right? Yeah. Nothing's handed to you. Everything's a little bit harder. You have to dig a little deeper. 
And I will say I didn't know quite what to expect from a global platform company. And it's been amazing. So uh, JLL has been incredibly supportive of retail. They didn't really have a deep retail presence when we joined in 2015. So one of the benefits of our team coming in when they did was that we've kind of created the retail um, environment here at the company. So it's kind of a blend of both worlds where it still feels boutique because it's still our group of people. And yet we have access to resources we never would have had access to before. When it says California, Southern California agency business lead, what, what, what does that mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, it's so funny because JLL uses agency and brokerage. So Mm -hmm. brokerage stands for tenant rep business. Mm -hmm. Agency stands for landlord business. So, 100% of my business um, platform is agency or landlord representation. I'm one of the few people at JLL that actually can make that claim. A lot of people at JLL uh, do a little bit of both. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought thought you did both too. So now I'm, so you're 100% landlord side. 100% landlord have been, I mean, obviously I started with a developer. It's what's near and dear to my heart. It's how I grew up in the industry. I understand it on a on a very deep level, having that construction development background, yeah. et cetera. Um, and it's what I know best. So part of the promotion was um, kind of just setting strategies, setting, setting best practices, right. setting um, client introductions. Really, the focus right now, JLL was a lot tenant rep oriented. Their mm. their balance is getting more agency tenant rep um, along along the uh, income lines. So right. what they want to do is they want to create policies and procedures that can be implemented in multiple markets. So Got it. for Southern California, I've taken on that lead. And really the role is to identify the strengths of our team mm-hmm. in various markets, um, various retail categories, because there's not just one, as yep. we all know, and then educating those landlords so that they know what JLL is capable of and see if there could be a match in something that they're operating from. So it's business development and um, best practices. That's my role. Nice. So um, you're, you're pretty active in Southern California. Are you active in just California or other states as well? Like, are you a lead in other states or are you kind of overseeing people in other states as well? I am. I'm, I'm really fortunate. One of, one of our clients is Transformco and I'm, uh, Transformco is the result of Sears um, bankruptcy when they, when they, when Eddie bought back all of his shares, he basically created a new company. He named it Transformco. Okay. I like to think it's because he transformed yeah. his company. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just my opinion. No one's ever told me that's why the name, <laughs> where the name came from. Um, but uh, anyway, so I get to work on that account as the master broker for the company. So we end up... Um, I cover for that portfolio everything from Montana to Hawaii oh, okay. for them. And I supervise uh, the local brokers in each one of those markets. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. And then um, right now in Southern California itself, like how many 
let's say how many landlords or how much, what are you looking at in your portfolio as far as leasing goes? Like, do you know how much inventory you're, you're looking over right now for leasing? Yeah, we have about seven and a half million square feet of real estate in our portfolio currently. Oh. Um, we're looking to grow that by about 20% in 23. We've, um, got a couple of junior brokers that are working with us. We've brought on two other mid-level mm-hmm. brokers for our team. So we now have the horsepower to definitely take on yeah. that additional square footage. And um, it's exciting. I, I mean, honestly, exciting. I feel like real estate's the most exciting job out there just because it's never dull. It's always changing. Yeah, Retail, especially always evolving. Yeah. And you guys are just doing retail, right? Or are you also doing just retail? Okay. Yeah. Got it. That's the one thing about JLL. You have to swim in your lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, it, when, when you're swimming in your lane, you could speed up and you could perfect that lane. I I always felt that way. I, I didn't want to spread myself to never. And I'm sure you felt the same way. Like, why would I dabble into something else when I could just focus here and be the pro at this? So. Right. Um, exactly. Where do you see um, the market going uh, since you're on the landlord side? Um are you guys, you know, having conversations on a higher level, figuring out what 2023 is going to look like uh, on the retail side for leasing for landlords? The reality is there are still, I mean, there's there's probably going to continue to be announcements of closures and bankruptcies and, you know, the wave that's coming through. I really feel like re- retail is a tale of two cities, you know, yeah. <laughs> those that have it and those that don't right now. Um, but the ones that are successful are very successful and there's still a lot of pressure on them to continue to open up new locations. And so we're still seeing a good influx of LOIs coming in and things like that. I think one of the biggest hurdles right now from an owner's perspective is inflation, right? How do you deal with cam costs? How do you cover slippage? A lot of the national guys have negotiated caps, right? And caps didn't account for what we're going to be dealing with going forward. And, you know, new deals coming in, everyone's being super sensitive to costs because we're, as an owner, dealing with inflation, but tenants are dealing with costs of construction, which still haven't come down, right? So um, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of details that never details we before yeah. <laughs> we used to say, Oh, we'll get the, we'll get to those <laughs> later, but those are becoming really um, front and center major. Yeah, yeah. Major deal points right now. And so we're, we're struggling with strategies on how to figure out what that is. And the last thing you want to do is, is price a tenant out of success yeah. because you're too aggressive on the front end. It doesn't bode well for the property to have that much turnover. So yeah. trying to just be smart about where we go with our with our leasing assumptions and um, and objections, right? Objectives for the year. Yeah. Well, since we're on that topic, um, you know, I want I've all I wanted to ask you this question on on the deal side, you know, and we've done deals and we're doing deals. Um, and since you're on the landlord side, what what is it that you run into the most lately? on a deal that's kind of hanging you up on certain deals, let's say, or either teetering on killing a deal or kind of really creating a problem where there's a back and forth with the landlord and tenant trying to find that happy medium. Is there a specific deal point that you're running to? Is it the cam? Is it the increases? You know, what do you think that could be right now? Depends on the retailer, Mm -hmm. right? So the national guys are still really trying to push for a lot of force majeure language you know, and protections on closures, which is understandable. They got hit across the country. Um, 
I don't really have any landlords that are wanting to negotiate that, pre-negotiate that in a lease. Just Thank there's God. no way to predict <laughs> all the things that could cause a, a forced closure again, right? Yeah. And you could you could have the best drafted language in the moment and it's still inadequate when right. whatever happens, happens, right? So um, that seems to be kind of like a push and pull, like the concession seems to be, yes, we acknowledge there's going to be something that we might have to deal with, but we will deal with it in the future in a mutually agreeable way. I right. mean, it's like really convoluted and nonspecific, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that seems to be how we're trying to get through it. Um, for the uh, smaller tenants or the, the regional mom and pops, it's really about securitization, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have gone through their savings or, you know, their stocks aren't worth as much as they used to be there. So their net worth is down or they, they don't have the sales from the last couple of years because of the stop starts. And so then it's like, they still need money to open their stores. They still need contributions from the landlord. And how do we justify helping them out if they don't have that? So securitization seems to be the hot spot. Hot spot. That's right. That <laughs> no pun intended. Be, um, yeah, no pun intended. That seems to be um, one of the bigger yeah. issues we're dealing with on that level. Do you guys still kind of look at the concept and say, like, look, we really believe in this concept and we're going to kind of work with them and try to get through this securitization problem? Have you guys ever ran into that? Yeah. Like I mean, landlords I have, like been in love with the concept for the center? I have, um, you know, I have landlords that have money. Yeah. And I have landlords that don't have money. <laughs> true. Right. So um, my landlords that have money that that believe in the concept and the brand or can see the value of adding that mix to the overall property or getting creative, you know, my landlords that are, you know, have a little leaner margin in the whole property are, are struggling a little bit more, you know, and it's a it's a pull between no rent and yeah. risky rent. Right. So they're they're having to make those decisions and we're just doing the best we can to help reduce the amount of risk there is out there. Got it. You are mentioned you've been mentioned on our podcast a few times by certain guests as a, you know, a very successful broker. And I've known you for a while and you're a top achiever at JLL. You're a power broker. Um, What do you what do you attribute your success to? You know, like, what is it that you're doing on a regular basis to constantly be a top achiever year after year regularly? Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I find this job exhilarating. It's never dull. I never wake up going, I don't want to be there, right? Yeah. Um, And just when I seem like I'm getting into some some form of a routine, something changes. Mm -hmm. And then it's all new again. So I feel like because this particular industry and my role within the industry is never getting stale, I have a lot of enthusiasm for what I do. So I, I'm coming into the office. I've been coming into the office since July of, what was it, 20? Yeah. <laughs> like really early. I come into the office every day, Yeah. super fired up. I've got, I've got uh, a young team underneath me that I'm training and that's that that's very inspiring and trying to make them drink my Kool-Aid about <laughs> how cool it is to be working here and working on these projects. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you put in the time and you embrace it with, with um, optimism, good things tend to happen. Yeah. Your team members love you. 
<laughs> they mean, <laughs> <Well, that's good. laughs> I'll tell you that they mention you a lot. Well, that's good. And do you have any advice uh, for someone who's looking to get into uh, retail leasing? I know you weren't looking to get into it, but you got into it. But someone who's actively looking to get into it, what advice would you give them? Uh, what do you What do you tell your juniors who are coming in? Well, what I tell most people is it's really as a junior, you're only as good as the senior you're working for. So um, you owe it to yourself to be really thorough mm -hmm. in your background check and understand the reputation of your senior, understand their work ethic, understand the product that they're, that they're going after and make sure it aligns with your values and your aspirations as well. Yeah. Because you get one shot at making a reputation, right? Yeah. And if you make the wrong one, it's really, really challenging, if not almost impossible right. to turn it around. So, um, and I think that's probably the hardest part for juniors because they just get so excited sometimes on an opportunity, right? any opportunity that they jump at it without doing themselves the favor of really investigating what opportunity can lead to. And either they get with someone who's not giving them any kind of guidance, they're just throwing them at a desk and telling them to sink or swim, or they get with somebody who is working on product types and, um, just not really encouraging them or bringing them into the conversation at all or the product type, you know, maybe, maybe they're very into fashion right. or, or fashion forward and they're working for somebody who's, you know, working in little strip centers with, you know, gas stations and seven elevens. Right. So yeah. <laughs> you just need to um, make sure that you're aligned with your goals as, as an incoming junior. And then you'll probably find success. Well, that's great advice for everybody out there. All right. Well, Let's go into the fun part of this podcast where my six-year-old daughter is going to ask you a few questions about yourself so we could get to know you a little bit better on a personal level. Oh, fun. All right. Okay. Here's question number one. What are some of your hobbies? Mm. Before I got into commercial real estate, I was into catering. So I oh. loved cooking and I loved throwing parties and I worked at the university center. I started my own little catering company. Um, so it was all about food, 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 food. Then I had children yeah, and I became all about drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so now um, I, I kind of consider myself a amateur mixologist. Oh, cool. But my friends think of me a little bit higher than that. And my nickname is Bevmo. No way. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. What's <laughs> your go-to drink that you make for yourself? So I have really gotten into tequila recently. Okay. And, um, but I... It's hard. I like it clean. Uh -huh. So, um, but it's hard for me to just sip straight tequila, yeah. even if it's really good straight tequila. So what I've um, come up with, which I'm super like, it's almost, I want to run home right now and go get one, <laughs> um, is tequila with bitters. So it's grapefruit okay. bitters and regular bitters and just a little bit of agave. And you put it in a shaker, you shake it all up and then pour it over a drink. And I'm telling you, It'll be the best tequila you've ever had. Wow. Do you have the whole setup at, at home? With like, I do. You do the shaker. I, do. I have the bar. The, I've got the, the whole toaster, thing. The toaster, yeah. the glasses. Yeah, wow. The whole thing. I know. So now I know what <laughs> if, you know, for Christmas, I know what to get you something related to that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's cool. All right. Let's hear her next, uh, her next question. Do you have a favorite sports team? Ooh. Mm, well, living in LA, I'm torn. I, I, 
I want to root for the Dodgers. I don't really understand what they've done to their team. They had perfection and they've kind of dwindled it away. I also want to root for the Lakers. Um, yeah. And but they're they're tough to root for right now too. So um, I would say my favorite sports team is whatever LA team is playing in the moment. There you go. In any category. LA at heart. <laughs> I like LA that. at heart. Yes. All right. Here's another question for you. What is your favorite food? Mm, Mexican. Nice. As I told you I'm getting into tequila. <laughs> That's right. You're on that tequila kick right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm very much on that Latin flair. When you were catering, uh, did you have a, a genre that you were like drawn to? Was it American fare, like Mexican, or were you all, you could have done, you did everything? No. So it was definitely probably a little bit more um, American California. Let's call yeah. it California. And California is fused with a lot of different right. things. So it allowed me to do Italian, allowed me to do Mexican. Allowed, you know, I grew up in Northern California on a ranch, right? So I, I can definitely do the steak yeah. component as well. Um, but when I was doing that, I was really fairly in my more younger stage of life. <laughs> um, and so what I was tending to cater mostly was showers, you oh, know, cool. bridal showers, baby showers, um, things along that line. So it was much more lighter fare that I was catering. Yeah. It was much salads and, you know, you should get, you should get like a, a bar team going, you know, for the catering. Like we do, we got bartenders and drinks and that, that is a little niche for you over there. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, I gave up catering, um, because I met a guy. Uh, Remember I met a guy that's right. and then I would I didn't want my weekends and evenings to be spent with strangers. I wanted them to be spent with my husband. Wow. I mean, what a lucky guy. I mean, Mark, Mark, <laughs> she is just, you know, she's a, she she joined real estate for you. She quit catering for you. I mean, we got to meet this guy. <laughs> All right, let's He's see. He's in the industry. You can meet him. Yeah? Yeah, he works with Avinson Young right now. Okay, good. I would love to meet him. Let's hear her last question. If you can live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Paris. Wow, that was fast. We just went in October, um, and I'm so madly in love with that city. And I told my husband that anytime we travel, we're going to fly through Paris and spend a couple of days. Wow. Was that, uh, you guys have been there multiple times or was that your first time? No. That was your first it time? It was my first time because wow. I've had, I had little kids before. We just yeah. didn't want to trust them to, and now I'm an empty nester. So all of a sudden, as soon as, as soon as the baby went away to college, we went to Paris. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite part about Paris? Oh my gosh. So we were there for 14 days, which was an That's incredibly pretty good. long time. Yeah. We were there for an incredibly long time. And I will tell you, the worst thing that I can say about my trip mm -hmm. was the weather was too nice because we went in October yeah. and we expected to have like kind of more rain showers right. and, and things like cold. We were in a heat wave for, <laughs> I want to say, 12 out of the 14 days. I did not pack appropriately. Yeah. And so that was like the, the most challenging thing. But on a scale of 1 to 10, it was truly an 11. We had zero issues other than the weather. Everything went according to plan. I could not pick one amazing That's thing. Awesome. That's why I fell in love with the city. Wow. That's great. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, you know, getting on and, you know, taking part of my podcast. So I appreciate that. And we're regularly working with each other and I, I look forward to keep working with you and I appreciate you. If, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you and connect with you, what's your pre preferred method? 
uh, my cell phone. Okay. I've we- had my cell phone since I started this industry. So it's been the same <laughs> number for 20 plus years. That's great. And we'll put your other contact information in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to her. She is uh, one of the best in the industry. So, you know, the juniors are lucky to have you and uh, I appreciate working with you. So thank you again for coming on. Oh, of course. I'm looking forward to making um, even more money together in 2023, Mike. (laughs) Same here. I appreciate you. And thanks for having me. This has been an honor for me as well. Awesome. Thank you. Just a reminder, please take the time to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It's greatly appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hot Spotting Podcast. If any listeners have any questions or topics they would like to hear on the show, or if you simply want to connect, you can email me at mike at hotspotproperties.net. Once again, thank you for listening. It's been real.